Group experience is a new and refreshing way for you, your friends, or your family to travel. Check the show notes to learn more. In the world of travel, things are constantly changing. There's always something to learn about the places we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations, a podcast designed for students of travel. Welcome to DBE. I'm your host, Stevie G. Destinations Beyond Expectations is indeed designed for students of travel. So if you love travel, this is the podcast for you. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to DBE. And also go check out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram. How much traveling does the tour manager for a popular country artist do? A lot. David Schultz would know he is the tour manager for Jimmy Allen, a country music singer who found success a few years back with the release of his song Best Shot, and most recently released a project called Betty James that features Brad Paisley, Nelly, Tim McGraw, and some other notable artists. As a tour manager, David spends a lot of time on buses and planes and has been to a lot of different cities. Since travel is such a big part of what he does, I asked David to come on the show to give us some insight on what it's like to be a tour manager and to talk about some of his travel experiences. Here's my interview with David Schultz. David, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Thanks so much for dropping in on the show and and coming on a chat. Sure. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Happy to be here. So your role, I mean, you're a tour manager and people might wonder what exactly does that entail? So can you maybe describe like the role of a tour manager? Sure. Uh, So I I essentially manage the touring division of an artist's career uh, from hiring personnel to setting uh, our travel schedules. You know, I arrange transportation for when we arrive in a city uh, between between the venue and the hotel, stuff like that. Um, I book accommodations for us. Like I mentioned, the hotels, any sort of uh, inner city travel that we need. Um, I, I deal with show security. I deal with meet and greets. I'm responsible for the guest list. I advance hospitality, some items that we might want in our dressing room. Um, I advance meals. I make sure that the crew and the band are fed. I do the show settlement, so I make sure that we get paid for the show. I make sure that we uphold our end of the deal, and I also hold the promoter and the venue accountable for upholding their end of the deal as well. I, um, I do a little bit of the stage management work, so I make sure that the openers or I make sure that everything flows on time. I make sure that the opening acts end at the right time, that they start at the right time to make sure that we go, you know, stay on schedule. I keep track of finances on the road. I solve problems, you know, um, but really I'm, I'm the voice and the face of the tour for the promoters in the venue. So if they have any questions about anything, they come and ask me and I either delegate to another member of my team or I help them answer the questions or solve the problems uh, that they deal with. Cool. And I mean, that sounds like a, a really unique uh, job that you do. How did you even become involved in that? How did that start for you? 
it is a very unique job and you know it changes as you progress with an artist at the beginning it involves a lot i know that what i just said was a lot of responsibility as the team expands we may be delegating those you know we we may be delegating the ho- the hospitality for to a different person we may be delegating the accommodations to a travel agent type thing um but in the beginning i really just tried to learn as much as i could about whatever i could i call it industry proximity so whether i was doing something really intentional or simply just being there to show my face i wanted to be in the environment and i wanted to be involved however i could so uh, I, I moved to Nashville in 2015, and I attended Belmont University. I studied audio engineering as a way to learn something technical about the industry. I was very fascinated by audio, um, and I eventually took my education outside of school and started working for this company called Crew One. And with Crew One, I was a stagehand. I helped these major tours load in their equipment, load out their equipment, and uh, I got to be a part of that day, you know, not as any substantial position, but I got to help the tour with, you know, certain tasks. And that's kind of what I mean by industry proximity. I didn't have a major role, but I was there and I got to, I got exposed to the environment. And that's all I really wanted from that. I wanted to learn. And after, I guess, while I was working with Crew One, I also volunteered at an organization through Belmont called Service Corps. And through that organization, I volunteered at numerous events in town, out of town. We helped out at a bunch of award shows. I did the Grammys a couple times, the ACMs, the Billboard Music Awards. Those were excellent events that I got to be a part of thanks to the the organization at my school. But I eventually volunteered at this event where I was keeping time and I met this guy named Mark and Mark managed this lighting company in Nashville called Bandit Lights. And I had a huge fascination for lighting while all of my friends were learning about audio. I wanted to learn about something else. I wanted to hopefully circumnavigate that influx of people that were coming out of my program. And I wanted to do something a little different. So I talked to Mark and I wanted to learn about lighting because I saw that as a huge part of a show. I've always been into live shows. I've always wanted to do something in, to, to help at these live events. So that's kind of what I'm you know, getting towards, just learning a little bit of everything. I started working for Bandit Lights, and I did two summers there before I applied to work for an artist named Luke Pell. Luke was taking out some lighting from Bandit, and they needed a technician on site to help set it up and run it during the show. So ultimately, that became me. And after a couple of weekends with Luke, they didn't have a tour manager. And it was evident that I, you know, was asking questions that alluded to becoming one. And they just, they gave me the position. And I started out with no experience with Luke. And we had a couple great years. And I eventually, once he started slowing down and wasn't performing as much, I hopped over to the Jimmy Allen camp. And that was at the time when he started just getting real busy. And that's kind of how it all worked, man. I I learned a little bit about everything that I could. I was a sponge. I showed my face as much as I could. And I eventually got that first gig with that artist, you know, that turned into something else that gave me the opportunity to try it out for the first time. And that's kind of how it all happened. 
So, I mean, it sounds like to me, your move to Nashville and, and your move to Belmont University was a really positive experience for you and opened a lot of doors. Would you say that? Yeah, absolutely. Great. So, I mean, travel is a big part of what you do on your job. You'd mentioned it a little bit. Can you talk about how much travel you typically do as a tour manager or maybe on a tour? Sure. And, you know, it really depends. I, I would say in in 2019, I did we did a total we did over 200 dates in 2019 which is a lot you know that's uh not including days off or travel days so that's like being gone four days out of the week which if you think about it, it's about half of your time a little more than half of your time being away from home and uh it was it was great it was awesome i loved it um we did this thing called weekend warrior so in nashville it you know we have a great we have a geographical advantage because of the proximity of Nashville to its surrounding states we have i think eight surrounding states in Tennessee which allows us to go and travel to these markets and then come back home you know for part of the week if you live out in California a lot of these pop tours they end up leaving California and you find yourself gone for three months straight because they travel across the country to New York. Once they get to New York, they typically go overseas to Europe and hit that, you know, hit those markets and you're gone for half the year without even coming back home, which is really different than the way we do it out here in Nashville. We are, we're able to go out and do two to three, maybe three to four shows in a weekend. And then we come home you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're home. We do shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's typically how it works. But we were really busy last year. Um, this year we weren't as busy, obviously. And um, for an artist who's well-established, they may only choose to tour for three months out of the year. For someone who's trying to build their career and visit as many places and see as many people as they can, you may be traveling, like I said, 200 dates out of the year, which is significant January through December. So for someone that does travel quite a bit, I mean, what's, is there maybe something that's most challenging about that constant, you know, on the road type of, of lifestyle? I think may, maybe just having the uncertainty when you, when you visit a new place, you're not sure how it's going to be. You don't, you may not be familiar with the area, with the culture. So having that uncertainty is definitely a challenge However, my position in my in my role as a tour manager, I try to take all of the uncertainty out of the equation for the people on my team so that they know what to expect and they know that we have a plan. But for someone like me, if I've never been to a place, I might have to do some research and I might have to consult some people about how it's going to be. You know, I think that weather is also a huge factor in regards to traveling. It it's very difficult to travel during harsh weather conditions. You may experience flight delays. All of that is uncertain. We've missed a couple of flights due to weather. Um, We've missed a couple of shows due to missing flights. And it happens. You know, I guess when you travel also being in different time zones, you can't communicate with people as easily because they may be a couple hours before and ahead. Throughout the States, it's not as difficult. However, when you're overseas, the the time change is more severe. So it's definitely more challenging to get in touch with people back home when you're overseas. But also, let's see, I guess 
one of the most difficult things about traveling for me is this duality of being in the moment and guiding your people through the day while also having to prepare for the next. Because when because you, you have a lot of responsibilities, right? I mean, exactly. From the moment that I arrive at a venue, I am doing a walkthrough and I am getting ready for the day. But I may also have some emails come in about the show that's going to happen next week. Some time-sensitive emails about the show, something that's going to change about the show tomorrow. So I still have to spend time planning for the next. And that duality of wanting to be in the moment and guide my guys through the day while also having to have a plan for next week could also be challenging. So I guess it's important to have really good time management and organization skills. So there's definitely some challenges when you're traveling that heavily, but there's also got to be some really great benefits to, you know, getting out there and seeing what's in the world. Can you talk a little bit about some of like your favorite parts or the most rewarding things about traveling? Sure. Um, I love being on the go. So having a consistent travel schedule is really rewarding for me. I love doing work you know, at an airport waiting for a plane. I love doing work on a plane. The idea that we are physically moving somewhere, you know, getting one thing done while I'm also getting some work done, you know, two birds with one stone, I love that. And I'm the type of guy that flourishes on stuff like that. And, you know, seeing new places is great. You get to explore new cities, new states, new countries sometimes. You get to learn their culture. You get to learn how to solve problems. When you travel with as many people as as we do, there are things that can happen. Luggage might get redirected to the wrong city. It might get lost. We might forget something at home and have to find something in a city that we're going to. So traveling and being responsible for all of that, you you really learn how to be self-sufficient. You learn how to take care of yourself. You learn how to take care of others in the in the position that I'm that I am in. And you learn how to solve problems. You learn how to adapt situations to your benefit you know how to you learn about the airlines you learn about the hotels so you know little little workarounds to different situations you learn the language that the desk agent speaks so you can you know get them to do things in your favor and um the other cool thing i like is visiting you visit these cities and you meet these people and then you leave and sometimes you'd never see them again but sometimes you get to go back to that same venue the next year and then you remember the people that were there and they remember you. And after you go back two or three times, you get excited when you see the city or when you see this venue pop up on the itinerary because you know it's gonna, you know what to expect more or less. You know who you're going to be working with. You have your notes from the last time that you were at that city and it becomes this sort of rinse and repeat type thing. And you just develop relationships with the promoters, with the people at the venue. You create memories together, and you do it just about every year. So I'd say that's a really rewarding part about traveling, too. Yeah, that's really neat. Now, you mentioned that you know you have a lot of responsibilities, and I can't even imagine what you're probably doing on, on the day of a show. But do you ever get any downtime to like explore a city while you're on tour, or are you constantly working during the entire process? For me, I typically am the first one in the venue and I'm the last one out. So throughout my day, if it's if we're only in a city for one day, I may only see that city from literally a parking lot or the back of a venue. And that's okay because I still love meeting the people. Every city has different people. 
different types of people. And, you know, getting to explore that is really exciting. If we do have a day off, then yes, absolutely. I do like to explore new cities. I love to explore cities that you would never end up in for any reason. You know, if we're passing through this random town, it's really cool to see. So I, I'd say more so on day off, days off, I would have time to go and look around. But on show days, I try to stay on site. I try to be the person there all day just to answer any questions and monitor everything, make sure it's all going smoothly and address anything if it comes up. Do you have any places that really stand out on your travels that it's like, wow, this is one of my favorite places that I've ever been to or a, just a city that you had a great time? Any any destination really stand out to you that you've gotten to visit? I think the most diversified city that we've traveled to was Tokyo just because we had never been to Asia before. It was a different different culture. People did not speak English all the time. We had to overcome uh, some challenges, some communication challenges in that regard. But it was just so cool to be at be on that side of the world, to live and you know be on that part of the planet. It was just it's it's a feeling like no other. You feel adventurous. You get adrenaline. You're consistently soaking up you know all of your sensory experiences and. Tokyo was a lot of fun. We only spent about 24 hours there, but it was nice because we technically did not have a show in that city. It was a layover. We were coming from Okinawa, so we spent one day in Tokyo, and that was fun. It was one of the most memorable experiences I've had on tour uh, with Jimmy Allen. That's awesome. I mean, Tokyo is is such a... I've never been personally, but I've heard it's an amazing city. Um, One city that I have been to that I, I can personally testify that it's a a great city is where you're currently living Nashville I mean can you talk about Nashville what what are some of the things you love about the city and some of the things you'd recommend for people to do if they visit yeah Nashville is awesome and what's so cool is now that we have more time off this year I've been able to explore it a little bit more because as I said once I moved here and started going to school I was so focused on building my career, that that's really all I did. I didn't get time to explore the city and find the cool restaurants or the cool spots. I really just was focused on working with these people at these venues for these events, and uh, I didn't really have much time to explore the city. But this year has been awesome. I've been uh, I've been trying to be more social. I've been trying to, you know, reach out more. So... I have a list of places that I like to go to now. Bar Taco is is a great place. They have good margaritas, excellent tacos. Um, these these brunch places like Hampton Social, Mockingbird, Stateside Kitchen, Saint Anejo. Those are great spots to go and eat brunch with your friends on weekends. There are some cool arcade bars in town that I like. Pins Mechanical is like a bowling bar. They have tons of pinball machines. Headquarters Bar downtown has a bunch of pinball machines too. They for Halloween they do this Stranger Things installation where their entire bar is outfitted like the TV show and there are these different sets that you can take pictures in front of. Super cool. Um Virgin Hotels just opened up a location in Nashville not too long ago. Their their rooftop bar is, you know, really cool. Pinewood Social is a great place. It's a nice. It's nice for dining. They have an espresso bar. They have a a real bowling alley there. So that's a great place to go. 
But I'm sure if you come visit, you talk to some locals, they'll give you some spots. Midtown is a great place to go and socialize if you are interested in the bar scene, although it hasn't been the same, you know, this year. But yeah, those are those are some good good options when you come visit. And the, what I really love about Nashville is, um, you know, you can you can enjoy the city as a regular person. You don't have to necessarily like country music, which is kind of, you know, what the city's known for. But if you do, if you do love country music, I mean, there's so many things that you can take in from Broadway to the Opry to, you know, the Ryman Auditorium to the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. I mean, can you talk about maybe give a little insight if if you're a country music fan? I don't know, maybe just speak a little bit about things that that somebody can check out. Sure. Yeah. The Country Music Hall of Fame has tours. You can go and check that out, learn some history about country music. The Ryman and the Opry are both two very historic venues in town. You can go and pay to see a tour of each of those venues. Uh, The Opry actually is doing in-person stuff now, so you can even potentially get a ticket to go see a socially distant show, which is really exciting. And if you go down to Broadway, yeah, you know, there are all these... You you go and you walk down the streets and every 10 feet you hear a different band because the windows are open and there's a there's a band in every bar. Sometimes there's three bands in each bar and it, it's great. For someone like me who didn't originally like country music when they moved here, I've found it very exciting. It's cool because... There is a vibe out here, for sure. You learn about this vibe, and it may not be the vibe that you want if you are moving from a place that isn't so heavily based on country music, but it's a vibe that you learn to love, and it's a vibe that you learn to be a part of, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I would recommend going down to Broadway, being as safe as you can. It does get crowded, but hearing the live music out of every door is is definitely a cool feeling. There's a bunch of lights down there. Every major country singer in town has a bar named after them. So there's a lot of cool stuff you can do there. There are historic recording studios along Music Row that you can go and I'm sure pay to be a part of a tour. Ocean Way Studios is owned by Belmont. That's like a church that was redone into a recording studio. Beautiful, beautiful sound out of that room. Lots of great records there. And all the major headquarters for, you know, these record labels and these PROs like ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, they're all in Nashville. So you could, you know, spend a whole week here exploring those buildings, all the radio stations and, you know, the venues like you have Bridgestone Arena, you have Nissan Stadium. They're doing sports now at Nissan. Hockey season isn't there yet, but um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff you can do if you're interested in country music in Nashville you will you can spend a whole month here and still have stuff to do who is ready to travel again i know i am and i'll be booking my next trip with group experience group experience lets you your friends or your family be part of a group tour that's planned by travel experts with group experience you can save money make new friends and travel and see amazing destinations Make sure to check the show notes for a link to learn more about group experience. When you click that link, you'll see some craft trips to Orlando, Memphis, the Smoky Mountains, and some other great destinations. 
Group Experience is a great way to travel and you should definitely consider them for your next travel adventure. Let's get back to your role as a tour manager. I mean, we've already kind of discussed the amount of travel that you do for it. Obviously, COVID has changed everyone's plans and I'm sure your life has been affected and your, you know, your ability to travel has been affected by COVID. How have you kind of, you know, coped with not being able to travel? Have you gotten into any new hobbies or have you maybe gone and picked something up that you were working on in the past? What have you been doing to cope with uh, the global pandemic we're all facing? Yeah, like I said, you know, last year we traveled so much that the only thing that I wanted to do when I came back home was relax. I, I, I needed to relax to mentally and physically recuperate from the weekend and I also had to prepare for the next. So I really didn't have time, like I said, to explore or be with friends. So now I'm really trying to, I'm trying to improve my social life. I know, you know, obviously in a safe way, but I'm trying to nurture my friendships. I'm trying to expand my social circle as, as safely as I can. I joined a gym and I got serious about fitness I lost about 40 pounds this year, which is nice. I needed that. <laughs> I got into fashion a little bit, started exploring, you know, that. Once I started feeling good and looking good, I wanted to start dressing nicer. So I, I explored fashion a bit, which was really nice. Not really nice for the bank account, but still a nice hobby and still a good thing to to be interested in. And uh, I kind of went back to my roots. I Before I started learning about audio and tour managing, I was a drummer and I wasn't a professional drummer. I really just taught myself, but it was something that I did when I was a kid and it was something that I really loved doing. So I started playing drums again. I even started recording videos of me playing the drums on top of songs that I liked. And I started producing them with our photographer that actually comes out on the road. He's gotten really into video production. His name is Sam Aldridge. He's been doing such a great job and he and I have been partnering to release these drum covers that I have. Um, I post them on Instagram. Ask David TM is my handle. If you guys want to check it out, I post them on YouTube, which is really cool. And yeah, fitness, fashion, drums. I've been able to really dive into some great hobbies this year and just learn about myself as a person and take time for yourself because that's so important and when you travel more than you don't sometimes you don't get to take time for yourself so this year I've really learned how to do that and it's been great that's awesome can you talk to me a little bit about like fashion because that's something you're obviously you know passionate about and um I I guess where did that start and what what kind of fashion are you into it started well I guess I've always been somewhat of a fashion forward person, but I never really, I never, I didn't realize it until I guess it was maybe January of this year, January of 2020, right at the beginning of the year, I visited my friend in Seattle and she took me to a couple of stores and she was like, David, I think you'd really like streetwear. And she took me to these stores and it was just so cool. Um, heavily focused on sneakers and the different designs on sneakers, the materials that are used to make these sneakers um, was something that I spent a lot of time looking at. The art that you find on these t-shirts and on these these materials that you want to display for yourself, you know, it's, you're, you're wearing art 
um, as a form of fashion, which I think is great. I've gotten to learn about some different brands that I find affinities with. And the cool thing about traveling is you get to you get to find different fashion in each of these cities that we travel in, depending on where you are in the world or in the country, you might have access to different stores or different styles and being able to find a garment from that city, you know, buy it and then wear it in different cities. It's, it's a really cool thing because you get this moment, this memento, this memory of what happened when you were there. I still have some stuff that I bought in Tokyo that I, you know, feel feel that nostalgia when I, when I wear it, because I remember the experience of buying it. And it's, you know, the stuff that I bought in Tokyo actually fits me a lot better than most of the stuff that I buy in the States. So yeah, it's been a really fun, it's been a really fun time learning about that and just, you know, kind of being able to display and express myself in different ways, depending on how I'm feeling throughout the day, throughout the week, right? Yeah, no, and and what's cool about uh, fashion, I think, is that, I mean, would you agree that it's a regional thing, right? The fashion in Japan is going to be very different than it is here in the States. And even maybe so from West Coast to East Coast here, the fashion is different. Um, Is there a region that you particularly like, or do you think it's cool just seeing how people dress in different parts of the world? Like, I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I guess I've been fascinated with streetwear. Streetwear... And I'm still not even educated enough to really have a whole talk on it. I'm still learning, but it's it's it was described to me once as up like high end athleisure. So you know you're dealing with sneakers, like I said, you're dealing with joggers, sweatpants, t-shirts. You know we're not talking about button up shirts or suits or you know any leather leather jackets, anything like that. It's all very comfortable clothing, which is appealing to me and. You know, I think L.A., Chicago, Miami, New York are big hubs for streetwear. So when you travel to those types of places and you wear a dope outfit, you may see more people walking down the street wearing dope outfits. I remember we were in Amsterdam, and I was so impressed by the amount of people that were really kind of dressed up, looking good. They have style out there in Europe. It's not just blue jeans and t-shirts. It's it's very vibrant stuff and I love looking at other people's clothes and sometimes I have to be I have to utilize self-control because if they think that you're staring at them, you know, they might think something's up, but I love to check out other people's style and just see what they're wearing because I I get I gain insight into maybe what I want to wear. Or just, I appreciate it. And normally when you compliment somebody on an article that they're wearing, they feel good about it because they chose to wear it that day. So that's always kind of an icebreaker if you're looking to meet people. But I also love going to a small town and dressing kind of vibrantly because maybe they're not used to seeing anybody in their town dressing like that. And they might think, hey, who is this guy? Why is he wearing that? What, you know, what does he do? Being in the music industry, I guess I have an excuse to to dress kind of crazy sometimes because that's that's what it is. Um, you get to have fun. You get to be creative. My creativity is deciding what I'm going to wear today. You know, I don't write music. I don't have a very creative element 
uh, a very creative job, I would say. I, you know, we don't we don't design stuff. We kind of just manage it. We make sure the logistics are what they are. So being able to kind of spice that up a little bit and and wear something cool depending on the the day or the situation uh, has been an exciting thing for me. I mean, it almost sounds to me like it's quite literally a way to wear your personality on your sleeve. Like it's almost an extension of your personality. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think for the people that think of it that way, yes. And some people don't think about it that way. And that's okay. You know, there are people that just throw on clothes and they use them for the utility that they are, you know, for warmth to cover their skin. And that's okay. For me, I just, I like to create value where I can. And I've found a lot of value in paying close attention to clothing, to garments, to materials. I've even, you know, it's even changed the way that I've taken care of my clothes. I don't throw my nice clothes in the dryer anymore. My whole life I had been taught to use the dryer to dry your clothes. But then at the same time, I would get frustrated when clothes would shrink or when they wouldn't fit the same. And I learned in like acquiring these, you know, somewhat expensive items, like, hey, you got to take care of it. You shouldn't dry your clothes. If you dry your clothes, you're going to diminish the material. You're going to, it's going to shrink and you could damage it. Uh, depending on the way that you dry them. So I've just, I've, I've adopted the trend of just hang drying all of my nice clothes. And I've seen that the material lasts longer. It stays soft for longer. It doesn't get warped or it doesn't shrink like it used to. So it's been awesome. I, I clean my shoes after I use them every single day. And it's, it's taught me to treat, to treat my clothing better. It's taught me to how to take care of it, you know? Yeah, I think that's really neat. And you've now gained all this knowledge because you've really been into that world. And that's going to kind of lead me into the next question, or yeah, I guess it's a question. So on this podcast, um, we all consider ourselves students of travel. Uh, You know, we feel like we've learned a lot through travel and and have kind of become enlightened by it all. So I want to ask you, do you consider yourself to be a student of travel? And if so, what are some things that you've learned through your travel experiences? Yes, absolutely. I would consider myself a student of travel. And I touched on this a little earlier, but really just the idea of being responsible and self-sufficient. When you travel, you may not have access to all of the things that you have at home that make you comfortable. So being able to replicate those things on the road while you're traveling and being able to adapt to certain situations on the road while you're traveling, I think is one of the best lessons that anybody can learn because no matter what industry you work in, no matter what job you have, you're going to be thrown curveballs. And when you are thrown enough curveballs, you eventually learn to deal with them in certain in the ways that you do. You learn not to stress out when something happens that you weren't expecting in certain situations maybe you've dealt with that situation before and you already have a solution in other situations you're not going to have a solution but you're going to try something out and you're going to learn from the way that you know the situation kind of adapts because of your decision or you'll learn the way that somebody reacts um from something you did and Having all of that knowledge stored and just having the experiences that you get when you travel will translate into virtually any 
realm of your life, whether it's social. That's, that's actually a really huge thing is from traveling, I feel like I've learned how to be social. I've learned how to interact with people. I've learned how to approach people because you have to ask questions when you travel. You have to interact. And in some situations, you're asking them to help you out with something. And in, in some situations, they may not want to or they may tell you that they can't. But having the knowledge of maybe dealing with that situation before, you can kind of explain to them in a way that might get you to benefit from the situation. You might be able to explain it in a way or offer some knowledge on the situation that will get that person to realize that they can't fool you, if that makes sense. Like, I guess just one example is like getting into hotels early. Hotels often will not let you check in until 3 p.m. because that's the designated check-in time. Well, when our drivers arrive at a venue, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., the first thing that they want to do is go to the hotel so that they can sleep. And I often have to find ways to navigate around these hotels telling me that they're not going to let us until 3. And I have certain tricks that I've learned along the way, certain things that I can tell them that will allow them to get us a room quicker, if that makes sense. So you mentioned, you know, when your drivers get to uh, the hotel at, you know, eight, nine in the morning, they want to go to bed. Um, but that really triggered for me the importance of buses in the line of work that you do. I mean, how how much travel do you do by bus? I hope that we get to travel by bus <laughs> only because with a bus, you have so much storage. We've stocked our bus to where we could arrive at an empty field and if they don't provide us with anything, we'll still be okay. Having the bus enables consistency, which is great. So anytime that we can travel by bus, we will. The only times that we cannot is when we have to travel a physical distance that exceeds the capability of that bus. If we have to travel cross country in one night, we cannot take the bus. For me, I have to allow two hours for every 100 miles that we travel on the bus. And that's very conservative. It obviously does not take two hours to travel every 100 miles. But when you stop for fuel, when you anticipate potential issues coming up on the road, having to repair parts of the bus, allowing two hours for every 100 miles is a very safe way to do it. So if we have a show in Miami, Florida one night, and they want us to play New York City the next day, you know, that's over, that's probably about a thousand miles, maybe just under it. And with that, there's no way that we're going to be able to make that drive unless we get off stage at like 12 p.m. in Miami. If we get off stage at 12 p.m. in Miami, we could potentially drive 20 hours to New York and make it there in time for the show the next day. But for me, it might be safer for us to just fly. And in, in, in flying, we have to make sure that the venue or the promoter provides us with what we need at that location so that we can fly. Because obviously, we cannot travel with all of the gear that we do when we fly. So if, for me, I like consistency. I like having our bus. We also treat our bus like a dressing room. So if the venue doesn't have one for us, we can all just hang out on the bus and it's already stocked. It already has our personal belongings in it. It's easy. Whenever we fly, it gets complicated because we have to arrive at the airport. We have to make sure all the l luggage is there. We pack pretty heavy when we fly. 
lots of lugging, you know, our, our equipment and cases around. Then we have to find transportation from the airport to wherever we're going. And it's just not as easy. I guess the reason I kind of asked that question, um, just so you're aware is because, and I don't know, maybe you know this, um, COVID has obviously affected a bunch of industries, uh, but one of the industries that was really, really impacted was the motor coach industry, so buses. So it was just kind of neat to hear your answer because I feel like, I mean, would you agree that buses are a big part of what you guys do on tour? Yeah, substantial part. And, you know, with the gig that I'm on now, we only travel in one bus, but there are gigs that travel with 15 and and those gigs are the ones that aren't happening right now. So yeah, you have 15 buses that would normally be out on a tour that are just sitting and the bus companies have payments on those buses that they need to make and they aren't getting the income that they need from the the artists who aren't able to tour because of the restrictions and the, and the pandemic. So yeah, it's it's they're they're being hit really hard. Um, and it's really unfortunate, but some of them have also been doing amazing things like providing housing for, uh, these, you know, um, the workers that helped out, uh, for the hurricanes and stuff, right? Is that where you're going with that? Yes. The recovery workers, they, they, they drove a bunch of, uh, buses down to Florida, I think is where it was wherever wherever that recent hurricane happened and they provided housing for all of these volunteers and firefighters that had to travel in from other parts of the country to assist in um in that in that effort so it's 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 been a tough year for them for sure and i definitely feel it well let's switch gears to something a little more maybe lighthearted here and i want to maybe get some insight because you are the tour manager for jimmy allen can you maybe talk about some of your favorite things or, or what is it like traveling with Jimmy and, and his band? Man, it is just one of, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me, man. I've, I've met so many great people and I've learned so many things. We've had so many great experiences. These guys are some of the best people that I've ever worked with. And I can say that hands down. The cool thing about it, man, is everyone loves what they do. Everyone is so passionate about their job and we're all pretty young. You know, this is our mate. This is for the most part, everybody on, on our crew right now, it's our first major touring gig. So it's, it's exciting. We're learning and everyone gets along really, really great. Uh, I think in the two years that I've worked with and traveled with these guys, there hasn't been a single fight or single argument. And our bus driver was actually the one that brought it up. He was like, man, I've been driving for you guys for a long time and I haven't heard anyone get heated once. He said, he, you know, this guy, he's driven for a lot of bands and he said that that's not normal. It is very common for people to butt heads when, you live, when you're living in such close quarters. But I give it up to Jimmy, man. He's really taken time to develop his team and he's been very intentional about it. And because of what he's done, man, we are a well-oiled machine and we, this is what we live for. So it's, it's great. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting both you and Jimmy, uh, on that concert in in Iowa that we had discussed and nothing, I have nothing but great things to say to people. If they ask me about that experience, I mean, Jimmy and you, you were both so down to earth and, and we, I know I really appreciated, uh, the time that you, you guys took to, 
you know, meet with meet with us. And I don't know, I thought that was really cool. So thank you for that moment. Of course. And thank you for reaching out. This is my first time being on a podcast. So I hope I hope it went well. And uh, I'm really glad that you remembered because, you know, now we get this time to to communicate and speak. And I'm sure that next time we play in a city close to you that you'll be there and we'll get to uh, we'll get to work on this relationship, man, and uh, and and see you again soon. Perfect. And 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 one more question before we close the interview here. Um, you know, you'd mentioned about getting into drum covers and fashion. Where can people maybe find those? Can you just? I know you mentioned it, but maybe remind them one more time: your YouTube channel, your Instagram, or anywhere else people might be able to find you. Yes. So my handle is Ask David TM. TM standing for Tour Manager. Ask David because I have all the answers. <laughs> That's actually something that Jimmy created, uh, a little brand that Jimmy created for me. We have a, a highlight on his um, Instagram stories, so you can check out some of the Ask David segments. But yes, on Instagram, Ask David TM. On Facebook, Ask David TM. And on YouTube, Ask David TM. You can find, I have about four, maybe five drum covers out right now. We just filmed two more yesterday. So be prepared for some more to come out, and that's where you'll find him. A big DBE thank you to David. Make sure to give him a follow. His handle is AskDavidTM. You can check out his drum covers, the latest fashion he's into, and you can ask him questions because he has the answers. I have to give you a quick update. Since this interview was recorded, I had the opportunity to go over to Daytona Beach, Florida and actually see Jimmy Allen in concert. Of course, it was a phenomenal show. They did an awesome job of making it socially distanced and safe. And man, it was incredible to see and hear live music again. Don't forget to like Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And go check out dbetravel.com to see the entire backlog of episodes, get some insightful travel blogs, and more. One more thing, make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about group experience and the trips they offer. I know we are all looking for a safe and affordable way to travel coming out of 2020, and group experience is who I'm going to use to book my next trip. That is all I've got for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon. Destinations Beyond Expectations is brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures. If you need help planning your next student group trip, Kaleidoscope Adventures is the name you need to know. Visit them at www.mykatrip.com or give them a call at 800-774-7337 when you're ready to plan your next school trip. Again, that's www.mykatrip.com or call them at 800-774-7337.